Good morning, everybody. Hey, Wyatt. <laughs> it's good to see everybody this morning. Let's all stand to our feet as we prepare our hearts to, uh, to hear from the Lord through the preaching and teaching of his word. Let's worship together. Welcome to our friends uh, joining via live stream, either live or, or later on. It's good to virtually see everybody this morning. So let's, uh, let's worship together. Here we go.
Gracious Father, we're so thankful for your grace, for your mercy that is new every morning. God, it's a gift that continues even though we don't deserve it. Father, we just praise you this morning for the many blessings you give us. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life his death and his conquering of death through resurrection. God, we just are so grateful this morning. Our hearts are full. We just pray that this morning, as we hear your word preached, God, that you would speak to our hearts. As we embark on this new study, these next few weeks, God, I just pray that each and every one of us would be changed by your word. God, that the truths that we may have heard over and over again, God, would penetrate our hearts help us to see the importance of, of this thing called discipleship. And Father, there's a person in this place who doesn't know you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, as the teacher of the disciples, God. I just pray that today through the message you would speak to their hearts and their need for a Savior, that our sin was so great and it separated us from a holy God. Only by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ could we come back to you. Father, may they accept that sacrifice as not just being a mental ascent, a mental uh, acknowledgement that it happened, God, but that it was for them. That sacrifice was paid for them on their behalf by a perfect Savior. And that through their faith and trusting in Jesus Christ, they could come to know you as King of Kings and can have eternal life. That's what the Word promises us. Father, speak to our hearts this morning as we listen to your word. Speak to our pastor. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you guys for being here this morning. Uh, if I didn't get a chance to meet you and you're new here, I'm Heath. I'm the pastor here and excited to have you worshiping with us. Uh, if this is your first time, if you're new here, in the back of the seat in front of you is a card. Um, it's what we call our Connect card. And today, uh, we actually have a gift that we want to give you if this is your first time. In our Next Steps area, we've got a Lindsay Lanese t-shirt and some info about our church that we would love to give you today. If you'll take that card from the back of the seat in front of you, fill out as much info as you feel comfortable with. Drop it by Next Steps on your way out today. Um, they'll hook you up with um, your very own Lindsay Lanese t-shirt and all that information, okay? Um, man, it was a crazy week this week. Uh, some of you may not know, but school started back. I know there are some mamas in here that know, um, because my wife has been praying all summer uh, for August to get here. And, uh, amen. But she's, uh, so so, um, we had school starting back this week, and what we want to do just to begin our service is just to pray uh, for all of you. So if you're a teacher in here, if you're teaching uh, this this fall, or you're a homeschool mom who's going to be teaching this fall. If you just stand up and let us pray for you. 
stand up. Come on, stand up, somebody. Thank you. Here we go. Now it's rolling. There we go. All right. Give it up for these folks. Um, in the first service, y'all keep standing. We're going to pray for you. It'll be quick. I promise I won't make you stand up the whole service. Uh, we have Miss Dana Reinhart. She volunteered to come and to, for us to be able to pray over her. Uh, if y'all don't know Miss Dana, she's the, one of the principals at Creekside. Um, and so really, really cool to have her in the service with us this morning. We got to pray for her. Um, I'm pointing over here because this is where she sat. Um, if that's awkward, sorry. Uh, but she sat over here um, in the first service. And so we just want to pray for you. So if you're standing near somebody and you know their name, you call them by name. But if you don't, just pray for these in general. Let's bow our heads and I'll voice a prayer um, just uh, asking God to, to move in, in this year. Father, we thank you, God, that, uh, that you, call, you call people, you gift uh, believers, God, with spiritual gifts and um, God, I believe that, that you you gift a lot of people, God, with the ability to uh, to do what these folks standing are, get to do. Um, God, it's, it, it's a stressful thing a lot of times. It's a tiring thing. But, God, I pray that this fall, uh, God, as kids are coming back to school, God, some of them have been virtual for a long time, and they've forgotten what it looks like to, to sit in a class all day for eight hours. God, I pray over these teachers. Um, God, that you would give them the patience they need. God, that you would give them the uh, the love and the grace that they need, God, to extend that to these kids. And God, I pray that um, that you just, especially, God, those that are in, in public schools, God, I pray that you give them opportunities to love those kids. God, maybe they can't just open up a Bible and preach about Jesus and, and, and tell them the stories, God, that we want to tell these kids about your love. But, God, they can show that love. And, God, for those that are in private schools or homeschool, God, who can talk about Jesus freely, God, I pray that you just give them wisdom. And, God, uh, let them do, let this be a good fall in all of our, our uh, schools that we have a relationship with in our community and in the homes. And, uh, God, we're so thankful, God, for the teachers in, that, are, that are helping raise up the next generation of, uh, of people in this community. And, Father, I pray that you would bless them and use them this year for your glory and, uh, God, uh, keep them away from the enemy. And, uh, God, keep them uh, close and clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Now y'all can sit down. Thank you, guys. Um, so the, we are starting a new series called Follow What It Means to Be a Disciple. And uh, it's, it's going to be looking at four statements that Jesus makes um, about what it means to be a disciple. And uh, I'll tell you more about that here in a second. But what I have learned, and you know this too, we live in a sign-up world, and yes, at the end of the service, we're going to ask you to sign up for groups, but uh, we live in a world that's always getting you to sign up for something. You roll up to Old Navy this afternoon, and you go to pay. What are they going to ask you? You got your Old Navy card? You know? You want to sign up for rewards? You, got a credit, you want our credit card? And if you don't have a rewards or a credit card at any of these places, they'll sign you up in a minute, won't they? I've never, I've, it's amazing that you can take two minutes and sign me up for a credit card. You're going to give me a piece of plastic that says I can buy something. And it took you two minutes to figure out whether I can or not. <laughs> Kelly and I, uh, we, one of the craziest things, this last house we bought, we bought a foreclosure because um, we thought that would be fun, right? Uh, do it again. The second house we bought was a foreclosure, the third house now. But, uh, you know, you have to sign a whole lot of stuff, right? But uh, typically you're there with the seller. Uh, for us, there was no seller. 
because the bank had already pre-done everything. Everything was already signed. We show up at a table, and we're in there for maybe 10 to 12 minutes. And I signed my name five or six times. I don't know. And I walked out of there owning a home. Y'all, that's crazy, right? Like, I just walked in, signed my name, and walked out, and I'm a homeowner now. Like, we can, we can sign up for things. And oftentimes, what we, what we may not realize is that you sign up for things, but you don't necessarily understand the responsibilities. <laughs> you sign your name on something. This is, a, you are familiar with cookies, not chocolate chips, the things online, right? There's some much smarter tech people in here than me. But what I know about cookies is when you go to a website on your phone and it says, do you want to accept cookies? That sounds fun, doesn't it? Because we all love cookies. What those cookies mean is that essentially they can sell some information that, that you're releasing to them, and they can do things with your information, right? And so that's, that's a lot of times we sign up for things, and we don't always know the responsibilities. And what I've found in my life is just because something is easy to sign up for doesn't mean it has low responsibilities. Because I believe the Christian life is one of the easiest things in the world to sign up for. So easy that a seven-year-old Ardmore kid could figure it out, right? I sat down in my little waterbed and told my dad I wanted to trust in Jesus, and within five minutes I had placed my faith fully in Jesus Christ and was redeemed by the blood of Jesus. But what I didn't probably even realize at that time is that what I was signing my name on had heavy responsibilities. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about what those heavy responsibilities are. And my prayer is that if you're like me and you were saved at a young age, or even if you were saved just at a revival or here at East, and you just didn't realize what you're signing up for, <laughs> I want to help you see that it is a big deal, this call to be a disciple of Jesus. And uh, if you're not a Christian, my hope is, is that I get to provide you on the front end what this job description looks like. And then you can decide whether that's something you feel like God's calling you to do or not. And so it's going to be fun over the next four weeks, I believe. Y'all may hate it. We'll see. I hate it so far, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> but it's going to be fun. Uh, it's a tough message today. So let me read the key verse. Uh, this is not the verse we're going to study necessarily, but this is where we're going to get started really for this series. This is Luke 640. Go on and turn to Luke 14. That's where we'll be here in a second. I want to read this. I want to pray. We'll get started. Luke 6, verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Let me pray. Father, we thank you, uh, God, that we can uh, study your word and we can understand it. God, I pray that today, uh, God, as we talk about a really, really hard and challenging ideas, uh, the challenging ideas that Jesus presents uh, to those around him, God, I pray that you would give us clarity of mind. Uh, God, you'd help us walk away from this. Um, God, I believe, convicted of the things that we need to change in our lives, but God, also encouraged to know that, that we're on a journey with you. Uh, so, Father, as we always pray, teach us to know you today and be with us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As you see in Luke 6.40, um, it says a disciple is not above his teacher, right? And so we don't often think of a, a disciple as somebody who follows a teacher and learns from a teacher. What's the term we use? Student, thank you. Some of you teachers were afraid to say it. Um, you're going to be dealing with them on, on Monday. But uh, it's a student. A student is the best, the most simple way to describe what it means to be a disciple. 
And our teacher is, guess who? Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the teacher. And so that's what Jesus is saying here. Disciple is not above his teacher. We're not better than Jesus. But everyone who is fully trained will be like him. So before we even dive in today, what you need to recognize is that we're all somewhere on this journey of looking like Jesus. As I like to say, you're somewhere between a dirt bag and Jesus. You're somewhere between those. All of us are. And where I'm at and where you're at is different. And that's okay. Because God's not called us all to be there immediately. God's called us all to follow Jesus and to look like him. And so today we're going to talk about some hard things. But it's something we all need to hear. When I was a kid, I had a misconception of what it meant to be a disciple. And nobody in the first service agreed with me on this. So I've realized I'm just crazy. So I'm hoping that there's somebody here who was weird like me and thought this. I thought a disciple, when I heard the word disciple, because I thought about Jesus' 12 disciples, right, originally. I thought disciple was like super Christian, okay? So like you had all believers, and then you had like this big subset of people that we just call Christians. And they're the people that, you know, prayed a prayer, got baptized, they're in churches, um, but their life looks pretty much, you know, not that much different from everybody else. And then, but then, then, then there's your group, a little small group of disciples that are inside that big group of believers. And these are the people now. These are real believers. These are those who are following Jesus. These are the ones who are using their spiritual gifts. These are the ones that are getting after it, serving the Lord, doing all those things. And in my perception, I don't know if it, I don't know where I got the idea, but it was two different things. You could be a Christian or you could be a disciple. Now. Anybody else? Okay. All right, some of y'all. Thank you, two of you. All right, that's better than none in the first service. All right. Here's what I, here's what I know. That ain't true. It's not what the Bible teaches, actually. It's very contrary. In fact, what the Bible says is that all of us have been called. There is no next-level Christian. There's just all of us as believers. And we're all believers, we're all Christians, and we're all disciples. And so what that means is that when Jesus talks about these high expectations and these crazy things that his disciples are supposed to do, you don't get to opt out. Because that's not who I am. That's not where I am in my life. When Jesus calls for things from his disciples, it's for all of us. And so in this study, we're going to study, as I looked at the, the New Testament teachings of Christ, teachings of the disciples, whole New Testament, I found four key themes when, when statements were made. This is what a disciple looks like. And so that's going to be our four sermons, um, Lord willing. Uh, he may change my mind. But we're going to talk about sacrifice, obedience, love, and bearing fruit. Okay? That's what we're going to talk about. But let's start uh, tonight with sacrifice. That's where we're going to begin uh, tonight. Y'all, it's going to be a long day. Um, so there's another misconception that, that I've seen in people when it comes to discipleship, definitely in relation to sacrifice. There are many people who are convinced that because they've surrendered their life to Christ, that God owes them something. Right? That God owes you a good life. God owes you no heartache. God owes you. And before you say, Heath, that ain't me, let me be the first to confess. I've been in some tough spots, difficult situations in my life. And oftentimes, 
Sometimes the first question I ask God is, me? Seriously. Like, you're, you're going to let this happen to me. You got to be kidding me. God, I, I, I love you. Like, I'm raising my kids to love you, right? I'm a pastor, doggone it. Come on, God, give this stuff to somebody else. And I would never say that I actually believe that, but in, when you're put in the situation, when you're put in the depths of difficulties and hardships and heartache, that's oftentimes the first place we go. As if God, God is, uh, has found a loophole in the contract that you made when you were baptized. God, you promised me a good life, and now you have you've somehow found a loophole. Um, what I want you to see today is that according to the Bible, <laughs> that idea is not true discipleship. You see, in fact, to be a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean that all your wildest dreams come true. In fact, it means that you and I must be willing to oftentimes sacrifice our wildest dreams for the sake of Christ. That may not be your perception. But I can promise you that is what Jesus said. So let's look at it. Luke 14, beginning in verse 25. We're going to read several verses. And y'all know I can butcher reading sometimes, so bear with me. Verse 25. Now great crowds. That's important to notice. There's a lot of people following Jesus. So he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Off to a great start, Jesus. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, after he's laid the foundation and can't finish it, all the onlookers will make fun of him, saying this man started to build and wasn't able to finish or what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. So, this is going to be fun, right? Jesus makes some bold claims about our priorities and the things that you and I must be willing to sacrifice if we are to follow Jesus closely. And so what Jesus is helping us see is that Jesus must be greater than three things in our lives. And I'm going to give them to you today. The first thing is this. Jesus must be greater than your people to you. Jesus must be greater than your people. If anyone comes to me and says, or and does not hate his own father and mother, Wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Wow. That's pretty intense, Jesus. And before I even get into this, some of y'all may not have a hard time hating your mother and father, your brothers and sisters, <laughs> but you've got people. Who are the people? So Jesus is saying, in Jesus' day, the culture of family was super strong. So that's what he's speaking into. 
We live in this more transient culture where some of y'all don't live with your family, but you've got a group of friends who are your family, the people on your street who are your family. Whatever your family, your people. That's why I said your people, not your family. Jesus must be greater than your people. Clearly, here's what I know. Jesus is not saying to hate your mama. You know how I know that? Because he also says in another place, honor your father and mother, because Moses said that from God. So I know that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is using, because Jesus was a good teacher. That's why he used parables. He also used a thing called hyperbole. You know what hyperbole is? That's if I ask, if I ask Spartman today. Uh, Spartman teaches at Ardmore High School. If I were to ask him today, Spartman, how many kids was in your seventh period class? And his seventh period class didn't go well Monday? What's he going to tell me? I don't know, dude. It seemed like 10,000. Right? Teachers, y'all been there? It's only 20 kids in the room, but it feels like 1,000? That's how perfect. That's making an extreme statement to get your point across. That's what Jesus is doing here. This, this is what Jesus is doing. He's making an extreme statement to drive home his point. And again, in Jesus' day, it was not uncommon for a person to, to come of age, to get married, and then move in right next to mom and daddy and live your entire life right there with your family. So this is a big ask that Jesus is making here. What he's saying is that our love for Christ must supersede any connection to your family or your people. Any connection. This is the sacrifice that we've been called to make as believers. And I'll give you an example of what it looks like. I'll start with parenting. Because the children one is the one that I went, when he said, hate your children and your wife, I was like, okay. Maybe I could deal with the mom and dad thing. Not that I do. I love my mom and dad. But like, maybe I could deal with that because we don't live in the same house. But God, you're call, Jesus, you're calling me to, to hate the very people that you've called me to love and live with. Let me show you what it may look like. I have neighbors that don't know Jesus. And the decisions that they get to make for their children are for their children's best interest or the things that they want. Right? Every decision that they make as parents has at the best interest their kids. That is not the decisions I get to make as a believer. It is not always what's best for my kids. My first thing must be what is best for Christ in this moment. And what that means is that sometimes my kids don't get stuff that our neighbors have. Sometimes that means we don't do things that our neighbors do. And it's hard. But I've had to make that decision in my life. We've had to do that because I've got to love Christ. My love for Christ must supersede any connection to any of my people. The same with my mom and dad. My mom and dad would love for us to have the kids over every single day. Well, that's a stretch. But they love seeing our kids. I'll say that. But like, I can't, I don't make decisions about my children or even how we live as a family because of my love for my parents. I, every decision I have to make about how I'm raising my family and what I do, if you don't, if you're not a, if you're not a husband or a wife or a parent, like how you live your life, no one else comes first. Your first question is what? How does this affect the kingdom? That's the first question. It means that if there are relationships that hinder our walk, we got to make decisions. If there are connections. 
that are that are causing us to not take next steps towards Jesus. We've got to assess those things, even if it causes awkward families in Jerusalem. I've got to make decisions that are best for my 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 God, my Christ first. That's what it looks like. Because we know that Jesus is not saying, because Jesus teaches elsewhere, and he affirms what Genesis 1 and 2 says, that when a husband and wife are one flesh, or are separate fleshes, they get to make their own decisions. But now they're one flesh. And Paul picks this idea up later in the, in the letter to the church at Corinth, and he says, uh, you know, when you become one flesh, um, the, the wife's body no longer belongs to her, it belongs to the husband. And the husband's body no longer belongs to him, it belongs to the wife. And then there are kids that come from that union. And guess who they, 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 there's a mutual connection that's happening. So I can't make decisions. I can't just up and leave my kids or my wife because God's called me to go somewhere else. I've got responsibilities. And God's called me uh, to love them but also to listen to him. And so there's a clear teaching, I believe, Jesus must be greater than your people. The first thing I've got to think about in my decision-making is how does this affect the kingdom? Now, let me ask a question, and I know what you're going to say. Does that make sense? Are you, are you catching what I'm laying down? Are you catching what Jesus is saying here? I hope so. Because when he said, hate your mother and father, some of y'all just, lock, you're like, okay, that's weird. But Jesus is trying to get us to understand that he's not saying literally hate them. He's saying, to follow me, your love for me must supersede anything else. Now, second Jesus must be greater than your plans. Your plans. How many of you would say, I'm a planner? You're a planner. You've got your calendar with you right now, don't you? Like it's with you at all times. You can grab it at any moment. What do you have going on this week? You can flip through there. You can tell me. Some of y'all don't even know where lunch is coming. Amen? Amen. You ain't even thought about it. You'll find something on the way, or there's cereal and milk at home. Like, it's not a big deal. And then a bunch of us maybe fall somewhere in the middle. But all of us have hopes and dreams and things that we would like to accomplish. Maybe we don't have details of how we're going to get that done. But for all of us, there are things that we want to accomplish, things that we're, that we're passionate about. But Jesus steps into that and says this in verse 27, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. So here's what you got to understand. The cross was not a decor piece in the first century. The cross may look good on a necklace today. Uh, that would have been weird in the first. It would have been weird to put a cross like in your house like we've done here at the church. That would have been a weird thing to do because the cross was where you killed people. It was a torture and death device. And so... When Jesus says that we must bear our own cross as we follow him, that's, like, think electric chair. We talked about in the first service uh, the Green Mile. You remember the Green Mile? I won't go into great detail. Um, but there's the electric chair scene, right? The electric chair is supposed to be a really quick death. In this situation, it was not. <laughs> think that, because the cross was not supposed to be a quick death. It was a place of torture as well. It, you would hang there until you suffocated and died or bled out. That was the way it worked. And so for Jesus to say, bear your cross as you follow me, that's strange. And remember, Jesus has not yet died on the cross. So you and I can't separate Jesus and the cross. 
we always think Jesus cross. Jesus is saying, bear your cross as you follow me. They're like, that's the bleakest image. Why would you say that? Because Jesus has not yet died on the cross. Just to let you know what this looks like, um, remember that the last thing Jesus said right before verse 27, the end of verse 26, he said, you must hate even your own lives in comparison to your love for Christ. So part of the sacrifice that God's called us to in Christ, this discipleship, what it looks like to be a disciple, part of the sacrifice involves the things we do and the places that we go, our plans. You see, to carry a cross is a humiliating thing. Um, if you were condemned to death by the Romans, by crucifixion, uh, they would strap the crossbar of the cross to you. They might let you carry it without strapping it to you, but oftentimes they would strap your arms to it so that you didn't have, it would be even heavier. And then you would have to carry this cross to the place of your crucifixion, because heaven forbid they throw it in a wagon and haul it there by mule. They've got a mule, you. And so you've got to haul your, the crossbar of your cross all the way, and they wouldn't do it in town, because that would be gross. We've got to carry you outside of town. And so you've got to go, it's a good ways, and while you're going, they may even have you roped, uh, tied to a rope so they can pull you along and just further torture you. And all along the way, you're walking where they want you to go, doing what they want you to do. They're in charge. And when you get there, you don't get a say either. You don't get to decide, hey, can we head in a little bit? Sun sure is beautiful right now. Hey, can I have a snack cake or something? Can I have my last meal? I want steak, right? You don't get that. You don't get that in what's going on here. To carry your cross is to participate in, in, a, in your own death. So Jesus is saying, uh, from, I believe from the text, that you and I must be willing to forsake all of our plans for his. We must be willing to walk through the hardships of life, and even if we had plans for peace. We've got to lay down our lives if necessary, even though my prayer for me and my family is long life and prosperity. I've got to be willing to even be willing to lay down my life. To follow Jesus is to be willing to sacrifice the success fast track if it means following him. I know people in the military who have, have turned down promotions to levels that some of you guys in the military would dream of because they knew to go to that next step, though it would be this awesome honor, they couldn't do it and continue in their spiritual responsibilities to their family or to their church or their community. And they turned down bank to do it and honor. I know businessmen who could be running some of the biggest companies in this country, and instead they're running 501c3s to give back to their community. I know pastors who could make a whole bunch more money than we do being pastors. But they've chosen to do what God's called them to do in that role. But if you need a model for what taking up your cross looks like, don't look to these military men or these businessmen or these pastors I'm talking about. Look to Jesus. Because I believe he's the perfect model of what he's calling us to here. And again, they didn't know it then. When he says, bear your cross, come after me, you can't be my disciple. 
But it would all make sense. I think that's what Paul's hitting at in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. So it's literally almost a hymn that was sung in the early church. It says, adopt, it doesn't sound as beautiful in English. But anyway, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. What is Paul saying? Jesus gave up everything, even his own life as a sacrifice for the kingdom. He sat aside the existence that he knew to that point and took up his cross instead. Church, not to, I mean, like, I don't know, like, theologically what you've studied about, but Jesus is the Son of God, and he has eternally existed as the Son of God. And he has eternally been at the hand, the right hand of the Father, reigning and ruling over creation. What that means is that for the Son of God to come on earth and to take on flesh I means he had to leave that place. He had to forsake the place of comfort. He had to forsake the place of, of what he knew and step in to live like you and I do. He sacrificed all of that so that he could be born in the flesh that you and I live in every day. He didn't even get to enjoy a lavish life. If I'm the son of God and I can do miracles, it's going to look like Aladdin. You all know Aladdin? You got that genie, you can tell him whatever you want. That's what I'm doing. I got elephants and a parade around my house every day. That's weird. Um. But like that's, Jesus didn't do that. In fact, he lived a very mundane, boring, maybe even not so good life. And he didn't live a long time. Again, if I'm in control and I, I got all power, I'm going to live a long time. But Jesus didn't. He lived a short time. And even in his death, he suffered a painful death. You see, Jesus' humility allowed him to take up the cross instead of sticking to his own path, enjoying the, the comforts of heaven. And the same is true for you and me. We must, we must have the same humility of Christ. That's what Paul says. Adopt the same attitude. What is that attitude? He explains it as humility. Take up our cross means to forsake every plan that you have in your life, if it requires it. What that meant for me? Y'all don't laugh at this. I wanted to be a writer when I was a kid. Okay, good, you didn't laugh at me. Um, I also wanted to be in the major leagues. So y'all laughed at that. Right? And, and that's when I was a kid. But there were other things I wanted to do. Again, things that made a lot of money. But what was best for the kingdom was to step into a role of a pastor. To take up this, to take not that it's just a really awful, awful pain to be your pastor. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's funnier if you laugh at it. Um, but we must be willing to give up our plans, right? Our, our our desires, what the things we're dreaming for, if God requires it. We've got to be willing to do that. 
We're going to be willing to do that for our kids. Right? My son wants to play in the major leagues too. But I know that's a sacrifice. And I've got to make sure that if we're going to make if, if we're, if y'all see my son, anyway. I don't think we're going to make it. Um, but I know it's a sacrifice to get there. And I don't know if we're willing to make that spiritually. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a giving up a lot of things. And I've got to be careful because, again, I'm not making my decision based on what my child wants. I'm, giving, I'm making my, my decisions. Every decision I make is based on what God wants first for my children. And then I'll take my children's desires into consideration. This is what it looks like. Surrender our plans, our plans of our family, even to the point of death. This is what Christ has called us to do. And the third thing Jesus says is your possessions. Jesus must be greater than your possessions. Uh, we'll skip down to verse 33. We'll come back to the other that we skipped. It says, In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Jesus says we can't be about our stuff. And let me just tell you, I like my stuff. I got toys and tools that I don't want you touching, okay? Because they're mine, <laughs> right? They're mine. I got a, my wife will laugh at this. I've got a Blackstone grill in my backyard, in my garage right now. That's my baby. You know who cooks on that? Not my wife. <laughs> Not, she can use the inside one. We got an electric one inside too, baby. That's, that's awesome. She don't get to use the outside one. That's my toy. Right, I, So I can be about my stuff. I can be about my toys because those things are important to me. But, but Jesus says here, we must renounce all of our possessions if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus. I believe he reiterates kind of what he's talking about in Matthew 6, 19-21 in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, which is really relevant to a blackstone because they can rust if you're not careful. But where thieves don't break in and steal, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is, is, is conveying to his disciples then, and I believe by way of the Holy Spirit conveying for us today, if you expect to follow Jesus, there can be nothing that you own that is greater than him. There, isn't, there cannot be anything. And when... When it happens, this is what he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart already is. If you begin to think, I don't know if I could give up that thing if Jesus asked me to. If it's your house, if it's your, your job, if it's your car, and that 2014 Honda Civic out there that's got a leaking. Anyway, um, that's my car. Uh, but whatever it is for you, like whatever it is that's, that's, that's a big deal to you, it's okay that it's a big deal, but... What Jesus is saying here is if, if you're not willing to forsake that, Jesus said tomorrow, go sell it. And you couldn't do it. Where your treasure is, there your heart is already. Your heart is not with Christ, it's with your stuff. And I'm going to ramp it up for just a second because we're translating from Greek to English in the text here. In Luke 14.33, the word that's translated in my version, possessions, can also be translated being like 13 times or something in the New Testament, is translated being. Now, just for a moment, let's play a little, let's play a game. Let's sub in that word, okay? 
In the same way, every one of you who does not renounce all his being cannot be my disciple. But I got heavy. It's echoing back to what Jesus said at the very beginning, right? To hate your own, even your own life. Jesus says we must renounce all that we are. That's why a lot of versions, a lot of translations actually use the word everything. Renounce everything. When I think of that, I think of the, uh, uh, the rich young ruler, right? Familiar with this story? If not, go check it out. Rich young ruler, Jesus encounters a guy and he says, hey, teacher, I want to follow you. Jesus says, okay, step one, keep all the commandments. You read that list? It's a pretty long one. He said, got it. Since I was a kid, I've kept every law of the Old Testament. Jesus said, huh, he knows, he's lying. But anyway, step two, he says, if you want to follow me, go sell everything you have. It's the only time Jesus tells someone to go sell everything they have. And the question is, why? Jesus, we get filled in from the author uh, who wrote the the gospel. After that, it says, he went away sad because he had a lot of stuff. This man chose, this man realized, there are things in my life that I cannot get rid of. They mean more to me than following Jesus. And so I'm going to say to you, I think Jesus would say to you, do you have to sell everything you have to follow Jesus? Absolutely not. But if you're unwilling to, I would. Whatever it is that when you think, if God called me to sell that, I don't think I could. I'd put it on eBay later. Amazon Marketplace. Amazon, uh, Facebook Marketplace. Amazon. Something. Because what that is, is that is now holding your heart. Where your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I believe I can say under the authority of Scripture, if, if there's something that's preventing you from following Jesus, you probably need to sell it today. If you're unwilling to do so. Jesus says, this is what it looks like to be a disciple. Jesus must be greater than your people. The people that are in your life. No relationship is more important than Jesus. Jesus is greater than your past. No matter what ideas you have for yourself, Jesus is greater than that. And Jesus must be greater than your possessions. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. But I want to end on what Jesus says in the middle. Okay, He uses two analogies, right? You remember those two analogies? He said, how many of you go to build a tower and you just start? You just start. Without thinking about, okay, I'm going to need four sheets of plywood, and that's about, you know, $1,000 right now. And then uh, I'm going to need some two-by-fours, and I'm going to need some metal roof. Uh, You don't, we're going to do that. You just don't start digging holes. you got to make sure that you got enough money to get the job done. And then he says, it's like a king who goes to war. And he sends out, he realizes they're sending 20,000 men to come attack me. And he turns around and he says, there's only 10,000 men. Huh. He's got to figure out, do I have a good enough game plan that I can win with 10,000 against 20,000? If not, I'm fixing to send a little guy out there and say, hey, we're sorry. We shouldn't have done this. Uh, Can we give you some money to go away? (laughs) 
The point Jesus is making is that following him is the same way. You need to know what the cost is before you start. And my guess is, is that most of y'all were like me and nobody explained that to you. <laughs> because at seven years old, I was willing to give everything. God, I'll give my, auto, my Braves autographed baseballs. I'll give my Super Nintendo. I think by that point, probably Super Nintendo. God, I'll give my waterbed. That was about my only three possessions. <laughs> like, I'll give all that. And now I'm 34 years old. And I look at my life. There's a lot more to sacrifice than baseballs, game systems, and a waterbed. There's so many more things in my life that God may require of me. But it's all still got to be on the table. It's got to be. Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple unless you do these things. So I didn't know at seven what God might require of me at 34. And heavens, I don't know what he's going to require of me at 54, 74, and 104. That's a shot. I had a grandmother, great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother lived to 102. Okay, so don't laugh. I might have a shot at 104 if I can get up sun drops. Let's start working out. Anyway, eating better. There's a lot of things, Matt. However, I, don't, I didn't know then what it really might require of me today. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost a re-upping that I have to do with God. I have to remind myself that everything I have in my life has been given to me by God. And if God chooses to take some of those things away, I've got to be okay with it. And if God asks me to lay them down, I've got to be okay with it. And here's, this is what you signed up for. If you signed up, if you signed on with Jesus not knowing the responsibilities, if you clicked the button but you didn't know the responsibilities, I believe God sovereignly placed me here to tell you this today. This is what you signed up for. Assess and make sure you got enough to build the tower. Make sure you got enough men to get the war done. And if not, ask God for help. And God will help you grow. And here's the good news. If you're not a believer, I believe you should be. I believe you should follow Jesus. I believe there's nothing greater in this life than, 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 than the, the moment that I trusted in Jesus and I experienced the presence of God for the first time. Because here's what you need to know. You are separated from God because of your sin and you can't fix it on your own. God sent Jesus to be born, to live a perfect life, and to die a cruel death. And in his death, the Bible actually says that he took our sins on himself. All the things that separate you from God... Jesus took in his body and he died. He died so that we don't have to and we can have life. Today, if you're ready, Jesus will save you from your sin. But I must tell you, the call is high, baby. The call is high. It's difficult. It takes complete and total sacrifice from you. And so those three things, God must be better... God must be more important to us than our people, our path, and our possessions. And if I want you to wrestle with that, as I've been wrestling this week. Which one of those hits you? Which one of them hits you? And here's what I want you to do. Once you realize it, 
remember what I started off with. Everybody is somewhere between a dirt bag and Jesus. Just because you're not there today doesn't mean you need to shut it down and turn away from God. What you need to do is if you recognize one of those three things as an issue for you, fall on your knees and ask God to grow you because he wants to. Every disciple, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And that teacher lived a life of humility and put God and the kingdom first. We're all going to get there. We've got to help each other do it. Amen. I'm going to say a word of prayer. If you need to come talk to me about salvation, we'll also have counselors by the back door, decision counselors. I'd love to talk to you up front. Uh, if you want to come to this altar and pray for the needs of someone else or for your own needs, confess some things before God, please do that. I'm going to pray. We'll all stand and we'll sing this last song. Father, we thank you, God, um, for loving us and, God, for, uh, for, for giving us your word. And, God, I pray that today uh, has been a time that honors you, God, even though uh, it's a difficult passage, God, a difficult, um, a difficult message for me to preach, God, because I know the, the things in my life that oftentimes hinder me. Um, but, God, uh, that's no excuse for me, and it's no excuse for anybody here. God, help us to follow you more closely. God, help us to live with the check on the table. God, help us to live with everything at your disposal. God, help us to do it with passion. We love you, God, and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's stand. You sing and respond as God leads.
Amen. You guys have a seat. Uh, we told you guys a few weeks ago uh, about a new addition to our leadership team here uh, with the Normans uh, being the missions coordinators. But I want to introduce to you oh, there they are. Uh, the Lions. Lions, y'all come on up here. This is Kyle and Danielle and Eden and Deacon. Deacon's really the brains behind the whole operation. Um, but the Lions are, uh, we've, we've called them now to be our group's coordinators here at East. And so this is a volunteer position, but a, a very important position to our church. And um, they're going to be coordinating all of our groups. And here at East, we believe groups are important. And so if you promise, to, that's right, if you promise to pray for them and encourage them and support them in any way necessary, would you just say amen? Amen. amen. So that was all a trick because we got groups starting this Wednesday night. And if you really want to support them, in any way possible, you need to go sign up for a group. Uh, they'll be at Next Steps, be able to sign you up today. Tricked you. But continue to pray for them, too, and sign up for groups. It starts Wednesday night. We have one group that meets at 930 that we'd love for you to be part of what we call our Sunday school. It's in Building B. And then we also have five groups that meet on Wednesday nights. They're all going to be studying the same thing together. Um, but we're going to be walking through uh, a discussion of what we just talked about. That's what's going to be going on on Wednesday night. Um, so if you're like one of those people, hey, I can't handle another Bible study, I can't, my mind doesn't handle, hey, you can't, it's okay, we're studying the exact same thing. So come be a part of a group, Kyle and Danielle will help you figure out which one will be a good fit for you. Amen? Amen. Y'all get out of here. Kenny, come on up. Just a couple of announcements you want to know today, tonight, uh, is Point Mallard. If you've signed up for tickets, they're available to be picked up on your way out. Uh, so make sure you pick those up. That's tonight from 6.30 to 9.30. Uh, I have been asked, can I go early? Uh, no. Uh, the ticket starts at 6.30. I, I thought it was a fair question. I mean, it's fair. Um, but it starts at 6.30. We've rented out for the three campuses. We've rented out the park. And so that, that'll start at 6.30 uh, and go to 9.30. Uh, this Wednesday, if you haven't heard anything about it, this Wednesday, we're going to start groups uh, in in here. Uh, and the youth have been building B, the kids in their building. Uh, but please come and join a group. If I've heard people ask, how do I get connected to the church? Join a group. The, the, the church gets very small uh, when you join a group because you're going to be in a circle with some people that you have some things familiar with. Hey, I want to serve. A lot of our serve opportunities are pushed through our groups. Um, so please come and join a group uh, this Wednesday. If you need, if you have any questions, you all know the lines now. Uh, one side note, if you have a youth or a youth-aged kid, I'm going to have a parent meeting because uh, we're supposed to start a new year just for like two seconds right here after church. If you'll meet me up here, um, like if, if your kid's turning 11 today, like Mary Abilene is. Oh, happy birthday. Uh, so her parents are old now, and they're, they're going to be up here. So um, there's that. Happy birthday, Mary Abilene. So if, if you please join a group. Uh, if you have a youth-age kid, I'll meet you up here. And then last but not least, uh, giving. We still have multiple ways to give. You can give in the blue bucket on the way out. You can mail it. There's text-to-give options. There's online options. And always remember, uh, how do I sign up for a group? There's a website at the bottom of your bulletin uh, that has all the information about events coming up. It's got a place where you can sign up for groups. All those things are linked on one little website. So just go there. It's got all you need. Like it? Let's pray, and y'all can have a good day. Father God, thank you again uh, for the word we've heard today. God, the challenge to put you first before anything in our life. And God, I pray we leave here and think about that, uh, God, and deal with that uh, if we need to. So just be with us, God. Be with us as we do go to uh, Point Mallard tonight, God. Keep us safe. Keep all the kids safe. Uh, God, give us a good night. And, and God, I do pray for Wednesday night as we start groups. Uh, God, I pray you come and bless this place uh, with, with people 
uh, to show up and learn and, and move forward as a church. Uh, so be with us, God. Thank you for loving us. In your name I pray. Amen.